Combo Nation. We are here, man. Welcome to another episode of Combo's Court. This recording is actually from the Sanchez Show. Big shouts to E for having me back on his platform. We discuss the upcoming 2022 NBA final series, which airs tonight. And we also look back at the 2009 NBA draft. You could find Eric on Instagram at Legend in Two Games. You know, you can find me on Instagram at one two combo let's get into it what's really good and welcome back to another episode of the sanchez show as always i'm your host eric sanchez aka legend in two games the nba finals are upon us so i had to call in reinforcements man one of the best basketball minds in the podcast space in the media space in general man my main man andrew salop host of combos court drew how you doing today e man i'm doing well it's always great talking basketball with you we've been doing this a long time I mean, I've been recording podcasts with you since the beginning, pretty much. So it's always fun to be on your platform. Always appreciate you, Eric, man. Without a doubt, the feeling is mutual, man. I definitely respect everything you're doing. As I've said, I'm, I'm a fan of Combo's Court. Appreciate uh, that. I love the content you put up, not just on the podcast, but through social media as well. And, you know, at the end of the show, we're going to have plug everything in as well. But let's get into the NBA Finals, man. It's a very intriguing matchup. Stylistically, coaching-wise, You've got the obviously the 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 old guard of the Warriors playing in their six NBA finals in eight years. You got the Boston Celtics who seem like they finally gotten over that hump of the Eastern Conference Finals. So I want to start before we get into the deep dive of our actual prediction. What do you like really about this matchup? Wow, there's so much to like. I mean, I always thought that Boston was the best two-way team in the playoffs for a while now, but Seeing Clay show glimpses of old Clay, and then they're going to have GP2 back, and the way the Warriors score in bunches, I feel like the Warriors are actually going to win this one. It's very, very close. It's interesting. The analytics say Celtics are going to win. Vegas says the Warriors are going to win. Popular demand says, you know, basically everybody says that most people think that the Warriors are going to win. And I would say the Warriors win in seven, not because everybody's saying that, because I think that. But, um, yeah, you know, if it's a free-flowing type series, I think the Warriors have the advantage. If it's more methodical, more physical type series, I think the Celtics have the advantage. But I will say uh, it'll be Warriors in seven. All right. Well, you beat me to it. I was going to give my prediction towards the end of it as well. But I, I do have the Warriors in six, and I'll, I'll get a little more okay. uh, in-depth as to why I have them winning in six. But I will say this. One of the conversations you and I have had multiple times is about team building, team chemistry organizations who do it the right way and say, look, let's get the foundational pieces and then get ourselves to a position to be a championship team. We saw it last year with Milwaukee. I kind of feel like we're kind of seeing the same thing with the Boston Celtics this year, right? This was a team that for years people have wondered, Brown, Tatum, can they stay together? Is this a duo that you can really win with? Now they're finally in the finals. Do you think this is that moment now that's kind of put them over the hump where we're going to see them in this position for the next few years? Yeah, I mean, this definitely buys them some time, right, making the finals. Coach Ime has done a fantastic job. And they have done such a great job, both of them, of playing a little bit less isocentric and moving the basketball more, especially Tatum. Like, he's making all kinds of crazy skip passes. His passing has improved a lot over the years. Um, Brown continues to develop the team's best athlete, in my opinion. He brings something uh, to the Celtics that nobody else brings, which is, like, elite foot speed and athleticism. And they really need that with him. But they're meshing a lot better than ever. A lot of it is the coaching. A lot of it is the years of experience. But something did click, right? Like um, it was in the middle of the season and they just – the ball started moving better and they started playing better together and it was just 
more free-flowing offense. Also, the addition of Derek White has been great for them, but I do see this duo uh, being together for a long time to come. Yeah, Derek White uh, added a little more versatility. It was another guard they needed, so he, he brought that. Um, Definitely. I mean, a connective piece because they like they have the ISO guys and he's that connective piece and he fits with what they do on defense. And even though they were targeting him a little bit, it shows what your defense is if the guy you're targeting is Derek White, right? So uh, right. he's been fantastic. Right, he has been. And Tatum's decision-making, I think, has, has been yes. the biggest uh, change and why this team now has been able to get over the hump after multiple times losing in the Eastern Conference Finals. I have Golden State winning it in six. You said seven. I have it in six. To me, what worries me the most about Boston in this series is just their turnovers. They turn the ball over a lot. They're very sloppy with the ball. Do you think this is one of the situations where they can correct that within this series? Is Golden State good enough defensively to really exploit that the way Miami did? Because you saw Miami was really tough on ball against Boston. It's interesting you mentioned Tatum's decision-making because I think that's what would allow – Jalen Brown to take a leap maybe next year if he improves upon that decision making. I think that's the big swing skill for him to become a top 10 guy, in my opinion. Just not driving when he's not supposed to drive or taking ill-advised shots. I think he could get a lot better when it comes to decision making. What was the question again? I got off track there. <laughs> That's all good. Uh, the, the turnovers. I, I just felt oh, Boston yeah. was very sloppy in their last yeah. two series, especially late game execution, but the turnovers. We saw Miami very tough on ball against Boston. Do you think that's something that Boston can adjust in this series against Golden State? Yeah, like, I don't really know how you work on that. Like, you can't really coach that out of players, you know? It's really up to the players. I don't think Coach Ebay has anything to do with that, really, because if the guys are making bad decisions or the handle isn't looking up to par, they're going to get those turnovers. But, you know, from your point about the decision-making, that's what basketball is all about. And if they can make the right decisions more often, they'll turn over the basketball less. But we probably are going to see some problems with it again in this series. And, uh, yeah, one more factor why – one more factor we can add to why the the reason why the Warriors will win the series. You mentioned earlier you think if it's a physical series, the Warriors win, right? No. I, th- I Well, I think they could still win, but I think that leans to the Celtics' advantage. Okay. My fault. Yes. So it leans towards the Celtics. Do you think then – because I thought the Celtics had a, a major size advantage against Miami. They were able to play their bigs in that series. Can they do the same thing against the Warriors, specifically against the quote-unquote new version of the lineup of death? They can, but it'll be a lot tougher with the Warriors' player movement, the Warriors' ball movement, and a guy like Steph Curry who cre- creates gravity the way he does, like no one we ever seen before. You know, against Milwaukee, they could load up against Giannis. Against the Nets, they loaded up against KD and Kyrie. Against Miami, they loaded up against Jimmy Butler. This is not the type of offense you can really load up on because there's constant player movement and constant ball movement. So I think there's a great chance that the Celtics defense won't be as effective, but it'll be a great test. So we will see. And in terms of the Warriors, um, Bit of a curveball. I mean, not really a curveball. A lot of people have been talking about it. Steph Curry. Yeah. Do you feel, just for argument's sake, that the conversation changes if not only they win, but he wins an NBA Finals MVP? Are we now cemented with him being a top 10 all-time player? Or do you feel it's a little, still a little premature? Well, for those who had him there, I mean, it definitely helps their case, right? Uh, if he wins a Finals MVP. Well, I'll say this, right? Because I... Uh, shout out to Max Van Auken, host of the MVP podcast. You know, shout he had Max. put up a clip recently with him and Brendan Haywood, and he talked about having him in his top 10. And I agree with, with Max 
his point why he would be in the top 10. My only question would be, who are you taking out of that top 10? Because everyone in the top, everyone in the top 10 has an impressive resume. 100%. I would say the same thing. I was going to say that here. Yeah. I like who you take out Larry Bird. I'm not taking Larry Bird out. You know, I mean, like Oscar Robertson probably falls in the back end of that top 10, right? Are you taking Oscar out? I don't know. Uh, KD probably is like in the 8 to 11 range, probably 9 to 11 range. You take KD out. I mean, you got Jordan, LeBron, Magic, Bird, Kareem, Wilt. Kareem, Wilt, yep. I'm missing somebody, I'm missing somebody Bill, here. Bill Russell. Tim Duncan. Tim yeah. Duncan. According, according, see, the one that's, that's interesting to me in this is that according to the ESPN Kobe. Top 75, right, according to the ESPN Top 75, they have Shaq right at 11. So if you're saying Steph is jumping 10, so not, not only are you taking somebody out of, ten, out of the top 10, you're also saying that Steph now leapfrogs Shaq it's tough. to get that spot. I, I do think that's pretty close, though. I mean, you know how hard it is to, you know, compare positions like that, but that's what you have to do when you're talking about a top 10 list. But I do think that's pretty close, but it's tough, man. I don't think I would have him in my top 10. But, A, when we actually see something, like what if he goes totally off? and just destroys the Celtics, right? In a crazy fashion, wins the um, finals MVP unanimously. I mean, it definitely helps his case. So I don't think I would have him there, but I can't be really mad. Like if they win the championship and he dominates, right? So it's really the fashion in which he wins this title. And if he does do it like that, we know we're always like, media is always in the moment and they're going to definitely have him and have all those takes of him being in the top 10. And then we got to look back, you know, maybe like two or three years from now to see if it's real or not. Um, But it is what it is. I mean, there's definitely an argument for it. I don't think I would place him in my top 10 right now, but um, I would say this though, top five impact on the game ever. Impact. I think he's, uh, I think he's the most impactful player of the last, we'll say, 20 years since Mike left the game. Right. Mike, I mean, Wilt was had huge impact. Like, he changed rules. Um, I mean, Larry Bird and Magic had crazy impact in right. their own way. So, I mean, he's right in that mix with those guys for, like, the biggest impact ever. I mean, Kareem was changing rules, too. So, but what Steph Curry did, like, and I always talked about this, like, analytics, the European style of play, and Steph Curry are the big three biggest reasons the modern game is played the way it is um there was a drastic draft drastic shift in the way we played basketball the last 10 years right like even more from like 2000 to 2010 like that kind of looked similar right but 2010 to 2020 a lot because of steph curry um the game looks totally different and a lot is uh because of him a lot of that reason is because of him yeah oh yeah i mean we're gonna we're gonna talk about the the 09 draft obviously which features steph curry but even if you look back to when he entered the league and what those games looked like stylistically, we were talking about games in the low 80s, 81, 80, 70, you know, those type of the, the Pistons won a championship playing that style. Right. And so what Steph has done and now with the space that has created, like you said, the, the Euro European style with the shooting, it's, it's completely changed what the game looked like 10 years ago. That's why to me, he, he's had the biggest impact since Mike has left the game. No disrespect to, to LeBron, but we all aren't as physically gifted as LeBron. We 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 just can't be 6'8", 260. Speak for yourself, of, Eric. No, I'm just well, messing I, with you. I, I'm just saying that. <laughs> no, I just messing with you, Eric. But, but all of us, all of us could right, spend the right. time in the gym to become dead-eye shooters. Yeah, we can. I mean, I don't know if uh, 
everybody gets like Steph, but no, no, you know, I, but you know what? You know what's crazy? That's an interesting topic. I think I heard before. I forgot what podcast. Which is more of an outlier skill, Steph shooting or LeBron's athleticism? Because they're both crazy outliers. Yeah, but if you we've seen other guys who are as athletic as LeBron. The difference is they don't have the frame. Yes, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like MJ was just as quick. Right. Right. He could. He could probably. Yeah, he could definitely jump as high. I mean. I mean, you, you look at you look at John Morant now. Look how athletic he is. He's just a smaller frame. Yeah, I would say like Jordan had a quicker first step than LeBron, right? Like that that explosiveness well, in the half court. Yeah, Mike Mike had exceptional footwork though. Yeah, yeah, but that 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 burst of the half court was ridiculous, man. Right. Even and like LeBron was more of a freight train in transition, right. maybe even faster than Mike in that. Like. Like from one coast end to, to the other, right? It was it was crazy. It, that was insane. What he was doing at his size. Yeah, you. I mean, but you you've got to be a freak of nature to be able to duplicate what LeBron did. Like I said, you could be the athlete, but if you don't have the frame, you know, you you just can't do it. Ja is a is a super athlete, but Ja is never going to be as physically as imposing as Braun is because he's not six eight two sixty. Hundred percent. Yeah. You know, yeah. or the same thing with Giannis. You look at Giannis. Giannis comes down the lane and there's nothing you can do to stop Giannis. And you're never going to be able to duplicate that again. But if you put the time in, you can get guys who they won't be as great as Steph, but they could come close enough. I mean, look at his, his brother's a prime example of that. Look how Seth is able to shoot the ball. Yeah. A hundred percent. So you can, you I mean, can they put got, in the time. I they, think that's what changes it. Yeah. I mean, Dell too, right? You got to get Dell in the mix. Right. Dell. Yeah. So, <laughs> A lot of guys, I think you, that's why I think the game has changed from that aspect. You you can be a smaller guy who can shoot the three ball and be very effective and, and have the extended career. Whereas if you're just a, a big physical freak of nature, you're going to have some limitations. Unless, again, LeBron being the, the one outlier of all that, where 19 years in, he's still LeBron James. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree with everything you're saying, man. I mean, but um, I would say yeah, it's tough to say which is the more of the outlier skill, though. Uh, so you think it's LeBron? Which which skill would you rather? Have? I'd rather have Steph skill. Which one? Would oh, you, you rather mean have? me personally? Yes. Like, yeah, I'd probably go. I I I'd probably go with Steph skill, but but uh, I don't know. I, I like combo though, man. Forget these guys. <laughs> <laughs> hey. it, it's, it as a former basketball player, it's like hard for me to answer those type of questions. I'm kind of like I'm kind of weird in the head like that. I don't no, know. No, I get uh, it. I get it, man. I, I just think that. <laughs> no, but like. I do think that, man, Steph's shooting was such an out. He was such an outlier as a shooter, right? Like just because he was shooting like off the dribble and shots with crazy degree of difficulty at like a clip that the greatest like spot up shooters were shooting it at. So that's what really made it incredible. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, the shot with the handle with distance. I mean, where he was able to shoot it from with, you know, with accuracy, the game had never seen it before. Right. So right. not 100 percent. It, it's tough, man. I I want to get your thoughts on on the old nine draft and specifically the old nine draft, as I mentioned. Steph Curry's in that draft, but yes. when I think about the Warriors run right now, these last eight years, and how they've been able to build it, and then I really thought about like how different could the league have been if Steph doesn't go number seven to Golden State, right? So let's start there, combo. Steph goes seven to Golden State. Obviously, a lot of people have made a lot of noise in the past about Minnesota taking Rubio and, and Johnny Flynn back to back as opposed to taking Steph. But I think there's some other spots in that draft, and I'll let you kick it off from there. 
where do you think if Steph had landed somewhere else, where do you think might have been the biggest shift or biggest change in NBA history? Well, Dan Tony said uh, he would have drafted him with the very next pick, uh, the New York Knicks. Oh, the Knicks were taking him. Yeah, the Knicks were taking him. But it's interesting. I mean, so Steph Curry is one of those undeniable talents. He's going to be all star no matter where he goes. But he would he been this would he have been the same Steph Curry going to the Knicks? I don't know. I don't know. Like because you know he benefited from the system. He benefited from playing with Draymond, who could kind of take some of those point guard duties and have his back defensively. He benefited from playing with maybe the second best shooter of all time in Klay Thompson. So I don't know if Steph becomes a Steph Curry we know today if he goes to the Knicks. But he's one of those undeniable talents that he'll be an all-star no matter where he goes, obviously. But I don't know if he'd be like the same Steph Curry. So that, that would have been interesting. I think he did end up in like a perfect situation, though. So I'm happy for him. Yeah, I think the, the tricky part with him being in New York is would the Knicks have had the patience if he dealt with the same injuries that he dealt with in Golden State? Because people could mm. o- always overlook that those first three years in Golden State, he had a lot of ankle injuries. He missed time. And the Knicks being an impatient franchise and they were, we were looking for a star at that moment, we might have been too impatient with him and moved on trying to pursue the biggest star. It does feel like the words of the better organization, like, Oh yeah, probably dealing with players, probably the way they treated Steph in that ankle. Um, so yeah, there's definitely some truth to that. But it's a butterfly. It's like the butterfly effect. Maybe he never hurts his ankles if he goes to the Knicks. Like maybe. you know, everything just changes. Where you know, I mean, maybe maybe Braun would have came the very next year in 2010 if we had Steph. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, you walk across the street. Uh, 20 seconds later, you might find a million dollars in cash that you wouldn't have found if you like walked like you know, 20 seconds before. So like that's, that, that's life. Like you never, it's the butterfly effect. The butterfly. Let me, maybe we're, another, getting, we're getting too philosophical here. Man. Yeah, we are. I've we been are. reading a lot. I've been le- reading a lot, man. So, you know. <laughs> well, listen, there's nothing wrong with reading, man, but <laughs> there's another team though, before Golden State takes my seven that I really took a long look at and said, I wonder what this would have looked at, looked like. Okay. Okay. At number three, OKC took James Harden. Ooh. Who, a, it, what a great, great pick. MVP. Great pick. He's going to be a first ballot hall of famer when his time is up. Yes. Right. Harden was a big part of their team that went to the NBA finals in 2011. How many MVPs does Harden have? He's got two MVPs. I think so. But he's he's finished top five voting at least, I think, five times. Here's an interesting thing. I bet you if you look at podcasts, let's say right before the bubble and they did a 2009 redraft. There'd be debate. With who you're going to take, James Harden, Steph Curry, most people would edge Steph. But. The way we looked at it about two years ago is a lot different than the way we look at it now. That's how amazing James' career was. Fair like I, I guarantee you, if you look at those debates, you're going to see like, yeah, like, you know, Steph's obviously had the higher peak, right? Like that unanimous MVP season. But it, it was a debate, man, between those two in a redraft, I'm telling you. But now that has changed, obviously, with what has happened uh, lately. Right. I mean, so, so and it gives people proper perspective. Blake goes number one in that draft. It's easy to say now, oh, you take Steph number one. Nobody was taking Steph number one over Blake Griffin after the, the season Blake had at Oklahoma, right? And even, even those early yeah. Blake years solidified why he was the number one pick in the draft. Yo, his athleticism was crazy. He was playing with right. his brother. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. Was- so nobody's now, number two is where it gets tricky. With Big the beat, I mean, with Memphis- the beat at number two. You know what's funny about Memphis? So James Harden had a workout with Memphis. And he bombed it on purpose. 
kind of speaks to what he's doing today. <laughs> I guess it was a sign of foreshadowing. <laughs> Yo, that is hilarious. Like he was shooting it anywhere. That's 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 the word. That's the word. That's what I've heard. So that's interesting. Like he's still doing that kind of stuff today. That's pretty funny. But um, yeah, I mean, that wasn't a great draft pick uh, in hindsight, right? It wasn't a great draft pick. I don't know if Steph would have had success there. That's another one of those landing spots that we talked about that is completely different. The organization wasn't well run at that time. That was before the whole grind city situation that they had there with, yeah. with, with Randolph and Conley and right. So it, it probably goes bad there for Steph. But to me, number three, you already had KD in the mix. KD was two years in. They had drafted Russ the year before. If they take Steph, we might be talking about a completely different dynasty in Oklahoma City. Because remember, two years after that, they're in the NBA Finals with James Harden coming off their bench. So if you swap Harden for Curry on that same squad, what are we, what are we really talking about here, Combo? What are we looking at there? Well, maybe they would have traded Steph Curry. Like they traded, did didn't they let James go instead of Ibaka? They so they didn't let him go. I I, I always find that a, a very curious narrative for people. They didn't let him go. So I'm part. He, of, so t- so tell me more because I'm part of that narrative. I guess. All right. He they picked Serge over him, right? No, they did not pick Serge over him. That's the way it always came out. But he turned down the extension they offered him, and a lot of it had to do with he wanted the max, but he didn't want to be a starter on that team. Scott Brooks has, has talked well, about it before as well. That well, Harden but, was more comfortable coming off the bench, so Oklahoma City didn't feel that he was a max player if you want to be the sixth man on the team. That's letting him go. He's a future MVP. Like he in high- again, he didn't want to start on the team. He didn't want to start? Yes. I'm, I'm going to forward you the article. There was a deep dive on it where he had that season when they went to the finals. Mm-hmm. Russ had missed some time and they were letting him run point. And he didn't feel comfortable running point because he felt better coming with the second unit where he had more freedom to do what he wanted to do. Scott Brooks has even talked about this before. And so what happened was Scott Brooks intentionally left him coming off the bench even until Russ came back healthy. Obviously, they go to the finals that year. He wants the contract extension, but he wants to be paid max. And the, the front office felt like if you're not comfortable being a starter, why should we be comfortable paying you max money? He turned down an offer. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I mean, they didn't offer him what he wanted. Right. He, he so didn't get, the, let, he didn't get I mean, max. I mean, that's basically how I remember it. They gave Serge the money. They could have gave James. But they they tried to give James the money first. That's why I say I, that's why I don't feel like they took they they sided with Serge over James. They tried to make the contract work with with James first when they couldn't. Now, well, in they all fairness, yeah, but they they once James said no, that's not what I want. They could have upped it and kept him. Yes, and I think so. They, they, it, that, that's that's letting somebody go. I think I think again. I think a part of it was how they viewed him internally because he want he preferred being a six man and he preferred being used similar to Manu Ginobili. Okay. Hindsight is always 2020, but in the moment, I also felt like they rushed to trade him. They didn't have to trade him before the season started. I think you, you play out that season. You had just come off the, the finals appearance. You try to see if you can make it work. You give yourself the full year to try to make it work. And if we can't come to an agreement on a contract, you could always sign and trade him that following off season. But I, I thought it did more damage than good for them to trade him right after the finals. And then you saw they kind of went down a spiral a little bit because Russ missed a year with a knee injury. KD missed some time with a foot injury. And it took him a couple of years to get back to that level of being a championship contender. Well, Presti didn't give him the money. And Presti got this crazy. I mean, Presti could now uh, tank for years. It's, it seems like it, 
and be okay. So he built up all these equity because he he built up all this equity because he drafted James Harden, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, three future MVPs. So now he could uh, take what he wants and uh, turn the corner when he wants. So, but um, I mean, that is a mistake on his behalf. Like in hindsight, like you should have paid James Harden full because it was also partly um, not enough foresight to see where the league was going. That's the, that's the biggest mistake. Yeah. The new, the new money was coming in and they, they could have re-signed him at the number he wanted and still been comfortable uh, a few years after that. Well, not Preston, only that style of play was changing. Like, you know, right. James Harden was a guy who kind of, he, he and Steph Curry ushered in the new style of play. So, I mean, it was kind of, it was kind of hard to see where the NBA was going, but that's your job, man, as a, uh, as a general manager to like see the trends of the league and make sure you're getting the right personnel and keeping the right personnel. Absolutely. I, I just, like I said, I, I don't, I don't know why they rushed the trade. I, I never understand that. If you got the guy in the contract, there's no need to rush the trade. You figure it out. You take your time. Uh, I guess like, because they feel like they're losing for nothing in free agency. But you, you could have always, again, you could have traded him at the deadline. If, if it got too toxic, you could have traded him at the deadline. Less leverage, right? Okay. Fair. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you feel like, like the offer's dried up. But if we look back, right, like we right know now, we, we know you have to trade this guy now. Do you remember do you remember who they got for him? Talk to me. They got uh Kelvin Martin. I love Kevin uh, Martin's game. Jeremy Lamb. Shout to Zanesville, Ohio. I, I've worked out with Kevin before. He's a good player, man. No, no, yeah, good, good player. Uh, Jeremy Lamb, the draft rights of Jeremy Lamb. He was coming out of UConn, who I really liked Jeremy Lamb at that time. It just never translated to the NBA level. And then a couple draft picks. I think one of those draft picks became uh, Steven Adams. Two good players. One guy who didn't really last in the league. Yeah, it wasn't enough, obviously. But uh, you're right. I mean, at the end of the day, it was a mistake not giving him max money, right? Um, and it's back when KD and Harden were a little more – they were probably a little more flexible. They were younger. It, they weren't going to have the issues, I don't think, that they had now with the Nets. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a lot more involved with that, obviously, right, with uh, Katie's injury and Kyrie's availability. Right. So I, I think it would have worked out and it would have gave them a chance at a dynasty probably, right? So Yeah. Yeah. They, they had the opportunity. Um, yeah. And, you know, as fans, we got robbed of it. Um, really quickly, too, Lakers hiring mm-hmm. Darvin Ham. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts on that hire? Did There were rumors of, of – possibly Doc Rivers kind of forcing his way out of Philly. Oh, man. Yeah, there's been a lot of rumors around it. How do you feel about this move for Darvin Ham? I know he's paid his dues. I like him as a coach. But is he the fit for this Laker team that has a lot of a uh, lot of issues with their roster right now? I think it's the right fit because it's a guy who could relate to the players, and that's so important in um, the modern NBA, right? You definitely need a player's coach. He's a guy that probably should have got a chance a long time ago. Now he gets his chance. LeBron is on board, so that's big time for the Lakers. And it's time for him to get his opportunity, and it's great to see. And I think it is the right fit. I mean, I don't know if, like, Vogel deserved to get fired. I don't think that was the case either. But he did deserve to get fired because he lost the locker room. Not really because he wasn't a good coach or he didn't do a good job, right? He lost the locker room, and that's kind of why he was out of there. I mean, he did win a championship with the team, but I like the hire. Um, I think it was the right way to go, bringing in a new coach and a guy that is going to 
get along with LeBron and LeBron is happy about. Like, that's really all it comes down to when you're trying to maximize these next few years in terms of winning a championship. Understandable, man. Um, I want to get with you closer to draft time. I know yeah. you have number one on your board. We're not going to talk about that right now. Okay. Um, but every you don't want to, you, you don't of... want to talk about Chet? No, not right now. I want to wait till okay, you get a little okay. closer. I want to. Just, get I just to wanted to let everybody know who should be number one. There. That's All fine. Right. Listen, you you said it multiple <laughs> times before, so that's fine. And anybody who doesn't follow you, they should be following you because you you do a great deep dive on on the prospects. And so that's why I wanted to get one guy from. Matter of fact, not even one guy. I was going to ask you for like kind of a guy that no one is talking about. But I'm actually about a guy that I'm interested in, and I don't know if he's going to be there when the Knicks pick. Swingman out of Arizona. Oh, yeah. Matthew. He's going to be there. Uh, I saw you be... recently posted about him. I like his game. He, you're telling me he won't be there when the Knicks pick? Nah, he won't be there. But it would be great for the Knicks because he's a guy who can play off the ball. He's a great shooter. He's super athletic. He break, he has the tools to be a good defensive player, even though he's not the greatest defensive player right now. And also, he provides so much gravity because of his shooting and his ability to cut through space. So he really is a great prospect. I think he's one of the sleepers. I think, you know, we're talking about 2009. Maybe we could have done a redraft here. But I think if we do a redraft from this year's draft, maybe two years from now, in my opinion, Ben's going to be in the top five. He would be great. It would be great for the Knicks, but I don't think it'll happen. <laughs> oh man, I, I, I guess, I guess I'm gonna have to. We'll see who's there for us, man. But no, I definitely want to get with you uh, closer to draft time. We'll, we'll do a small mock draft. We won't do a whole first round, but I definitely would like to do at least the lottery picks and see see where I, you think guys are landing. Yeah, I've actually just had Nathan Grubel and Corey Tolliba of No Ceilings for a mock draft, just kind of like uh, what you said. So everybody, go check that out on Combos Court. Eric, uh, yeah, we could do our own mock draft if you want in the, you know, upcoming weeks before the draft. Man, it's always fun talking about. So I think this was our best episode, Eric. I think this was a fantastic get, conversation. I, yeah, I it gets better every get time. Better better. I keep hearing they get yeah, better and better. You, you know, know, we've been known to take our victory lap, so let's do it. You know what I mean? There's nothing wrong <laughs> with that, man. If we don't take the lap, who's going to take it? That's a fact. You know what I'm saying? But no, I, I definitely want to wait till we get a little closer because obviously we always start to hear the rumblings, the news about you know, this team is locked in with this guy or this team isn't so high on this guy. So that's why I always like to wait till we get a little closer. But with that being said, before we wrap up, man, again. Can I, can I give you one going... question? Yeah, go ahead. Let me, let me switch it up a little bit because I haven't talked about this topic on the podcast for a while. I actually haven't been tapped in like I should be lately. I was more tapped into this when I was uh, playing overseas. But who's the greatest battle rapper ever? Oh, man. Ever all time. It's it's I gotta say it's probably Lux. Uh, though though I will say I'm a big Jay Mills fan and everything that Jay Mills did early. Well he didn't but he didn't he didn't cross errors like Lux. Yeah, Lux Lux yeah to me is is the greatest battle rapper. Um I mean you got people to this day that still say you're gonna get this work. Yes. Right. So they reference in yes. Lux. So I, it's got to be Lux. Emotional. Right. Emotional. <laughs> right. Yo, I love that line. That line is so, so great. Oh my Lu god. Lux is Lux is he's that god man. Is yeah. You I, know, I can't. You know what? A crazy peak. Who I enjoy. He was my favorite. Charlie Clips peak. Like when he battled T Rex. Oh my god. Clips is nasty. Yeah. Oh, Clips man. Is nasty. That, was, that was nasty what he did to T-Rex. I mean, T-Rex is great, but that was just nasty. I watched that battle like you don't even know how many times, man. 
as as much as I love the URL and everything they've done now, I've really had a greater appreciation for that small room feel that they used to have. Okay, but they weren't. That was almost like the beginning days of UFC, right? It wasn't as developed yet. Right, like, correct. It, you was, know, it like, was very raw. Like, by the time it was like 2015, which is probably around the time, of like, I haven't been watching the last few years. Like, it was a lot more developed. It was more like, catered towards the guy you're rapping against it wasn't like generic bars so it got a lot better over the years but i see what you're saying though it was a different type of feel you know like yeah. when they were just in the city rapping in with a store or outside on 125th well i mean like even when they they did you know early like i, I don't mean like when they were just out in the street and two guys were run down on each other i meant like when you knew you were battling the guy but it was just smaller room they was you know battling and like little rec centers and, and pool halls and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you yeah. had a couple hundred people in there, but the field, the atmosphere was different, but I still love what they've done for the culture and everything that they continue to, to accomplish. Yeah. Shouts to us. We need to get uh, me, you and him on a pod. I'm definitely happen. down for that, man. Yeah. Yeah. We got to make that happen. That'd be, that'd, be, down. that'd be a great conversation. Yes, sir. Combo again, before we wrap, man, plug anything you got going on, let them know about the latest episode as well. Yeah, man, combos, Corey, we just did the mock lottery draft with Corey Tulliba and uh, Nathan Grubel, as I said before, no ceilings. We went through 1 through 14, so check that out. That's the latest episode. Um, yeah, Believe in Magic Podcast with Max Van Auken. I've been doing live shows with Coach Nick. We might actually – we have been doing some live com- commentary, so uh, it looks like we'll be continuing that through the finals, so make sure to check that out. You can find out where to catch that on my – so you should be able to find that, out where that – all that is on my socials, so stay tuned to uh, One Two Combo on Instagram, O N E T W O C O M B O Combos Court on Twitter, and definitely don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button wherever you listen to Combos Court. Thanks so much for Eric for uh, talking basketball for having me on your platform. It's always great, and I hope to do it again soon. We're gonna do it again real soon. Again, right before the NBA draft, we're gonna get together. Um, you said you're doing a live commentary. Will you guys be doing live commentary before Game One? It looks like it will be tomorrow on the app called. I'm getting it for you right now. If you, if you don't have it, just send it to me personally. No, 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 I'll no, put no. It up on the thing. All right. No, no. Uh, it's called the Playback app. Okay. So it's um, watch playback on Twitter. It's like an alternative type commentary where, you know, me and Coach Nick will be commentating on game one of the finals. I never like to announce stuff, man. You're getting you're making me announce stuff here. Listen, right, no, 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 hold on. I because I, I, I want to tune well, in. So you know it's okay. You know it is okay to announce it because we've been doing it already. Like I wouldn't want to um announce it if like it didn't happen yet because we've been doing it. So we've been on this app which I just mentioned, and it's live commentary, and um it's it's I've been talking about for a while now how uh there needs to be an alternative commentary, right? Like not just what you can get on TV, but basically you you punch in your cable provider. And then you could hear me and Coach Nick and other and other creators as well just talk about the game. And fans could actually come on and commentate as well. Like we could bring you up to the stage if that like even if you join in, you could come up to the stage with me and Coach Nick and uh, talk about the game with us. So yeah. it's very interactive and it's an alternative commentary stream. So it's really exciting. And I've been doing like a lot of live shows with Coach Nick and that's been going great. So shouts to Coach Nick and B-Ball Breakdown. And we're just going to keep working, Eric. Yes, sir. I'm going to tune in tomorrow, man. I'm going to post a link that everybody need to tune in, man. But with that being said, for my main man, Andrew Salop, host of Combos Court. If you're not already, make sure you subscribe. This is the Sanchez Show, man. We out of here.
There it is, another episode of Combos Court, this one by way of the Sanchez Show. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button wherever you tune in to Combos Court. Share this episode with a friend, share it on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, share it on your IG stories, and tag me on there at 1-2-COMBO. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Be on the lookout for episode 373. Combo out.